Good morning, everybody. Um, there's a real flow of God in this space today because he's really the worthy one. Amen? Amen. He's the worthy one. And as we just stay in this flow, um, as I was reflecting, preparing for this message, I was reminded how so often when God wants to bring about change in my life or maybe initiate something new in me or through me, how that change always starts in the heart. I think of Moses when he was growing up in privilege in the house of um, Pharaoh in Egypt, in the palaces, where God started working in his heart, so that his heart turned towards his people. And clumsily, he tried to become their deliverer and savior and got it a bit wrong and then had to go away for 40 years or so to allow God to prepare his heart. I wonder, sometimes imagine what happened with King David when he was tending the sheep, the, the work of God that he did in his heart in that time and space where he learned to trust God to overcome the bear and the lion and the wild animals so that when the day came and he had to stand in front of Goliath and bring change in his nation, that his heart was fully prepared. So sometimes change often starts in the heart. And even when we step into new spaces and new things, this requires of us dedication. It requires perseverance. It requires some persistence. It requires effort. And that's why God often works in our hearts first so that we can step into the spaces that he has for us. And I wonder, perhaps over the last few weeks and even this morning, what has God been preparing in your heart today? Where are you in terms of change and maybe initiating some new things that God has for you? I have a bit of a different kind of word. I felt the Lord asked me to prepare in a bit of a different way. And it came about this way. Pastor Louis was talking and he just kind of as he was talking, he said something just in passing. He spoke a little bit. He just spoke quickly about fallow ground. And as he spoke about fallow ground, something just I don't know, stirred in my spirit is the best way I can describe it. It went all fuzzy on the inside, if you want it in a more literal way. And God started speaking to me in this, around this idea, and that's the, the topic of my message this morning. My title is Prepare the Fellow Ground. And so while the message may be a little bit more devotional in that it's intended to speak to our hearts, I believe also there's a bit of a prophetic intent that will continue the flow that has been in the service now where God wants to speak to us about preparing our hearts and perhaps opening some new things. So as I was investigating this, I found out that there's only really two scriptures in the Bible that speak directly about fallow ground. There's scriptures that speak about leaving ground to rest and things like that. But there's two scriptures that speak directly about preparing fallow ground. And we're going to look at both of them this morning. They're both in the Old Testament. And so if you can turn in your Bibles or devices, we're going to start in the book of Hosea. If you want to find Hosea and you find, kind of find Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, then it's Hosea. If you're in Matthew, you've gone too far. Okay, so Hosea is the first of the minor prophets. Minor not because they're less important, just because they're usually a little bit shorter. We're going to read in chapter 10, in Hosea and verse 12. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12, when we're talking about preparing the fallow ground. I've chosen to use the New Revised Standard Translation just this morning just because I wanted a little bit more of a literal translation, and it also used the word fellow, which was the word I wanted to use this morning. So Hosea 10 verse 12 reads, Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fellow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness on you. 
Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fellow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may become and rain righteousness on you. So if you can, if you have a hard copy Bible, keep your finger there or bookmark it in your device and turn to Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 3. So go left. Okay, Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 3. And we want to read there also what Jeremiah says around the fallow ground. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3. We'll come back to Hosea, but we'll spend some time in Jeremiah. Jeremiah, speaking to a different audience at a different time, says this. He says, For thus says the Lord to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground and do not sow among the thorns. Obviously, the part of the verse that has relevance for us today is break up the fallow ground and do not sow amongst the thorns. I believe the word that the Lord has for us this morning is that it's time to prepare the fallow ground. It's time to prepare the fallow ground. Now, you get two kinds of fallow ground, technically speaking. First kind of fallow ground is ground that's never been used before. It's never been used for crops, harvesting, planting of any kind. It's really just soil, a ground that's been standing there. So the first kind of fallow ground is never before used ground. This kind of ground would take a lot of breaking up, perhaps removing uh, things that have been in the way for a long time to take substantial effort. Sometimes we would talk about this as pioneering. We're doing new things. We're taking new territory. We're going to new spaces for God. So the first kind of fallow ground is never before used ground. It's never been cultivated or used for crops or for harvest of any kind in any way. And when we have to come to this ground, we have to remove anything that would hinder future fruitfulness on that piece of ground. The other kind of fallow ground is ground that has been left to rest. If we read Leviticus 25, this was part of God's agricultural plan for the nation of Israel, that every seventh year they were supposed to not plant crops and they were supposed to leave their lands Unplanted. Sometimes, if we read different scholars, they would still plough them but not plant. Sometimes they would just leave them to stand. Now, this was very important because it allowed the ground to be restored. It allowed the ground's nutrients to reset. Sometimes lots of thorns would grow in the ground in that time. So ground that had been left to rest or ground that had previously been used for crops and for cultivation that had just been left for one reason or another. In these prophetic words, the focus of the prophets, both of Isaiah and Jeremiah is much more on the never-before-used ground, ground that has never before been used for cultivation. And so it's time to prepare the fallow ground. It's interesting to me that these two prophets spoke to uh, what was known as the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, Hosea spoke to the northern kingdom of Israel, Jeremiah to the southern kingdom. More than 100 years apart, they came to these nations at times that were critical in those nations, times just before they perhaps were going to go, well, before they went into exile, when God was going to exercise judgment. For hundreds of years, the people had turned their back on God. They'd walked away from God, and God sent prophets to the nation to warn them, to draw them back to himself, to woo them to himself. And they come with these words about impending judgment and warning. We'll look at that now. But both times, at critical moments in the nation's history, God sends a prophet with this word that it's time to break up the fallow ground. Now, when Jeremiah and Hosea were speaking, they were speaking to the nation. They were speaking on a national level. For us this morning, I believe the application is more on the personal level. And for us as persons, because God wants to start in our hearts. If we go back to the text in Jeremiah, 
I'd like to read verse 3 and add verse 4 this time because it helps us understand a little bit about what's in God's mind when he speaks about preparing the fallow ground. So let's read again Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. We'll read together. Thus says the Lord to the people of Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and do not sow amongst the thorns. Verse 4 continues and says, circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts, O people of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, or else my wrath will go forth like fire and burn with no one to quench it because of the evil of your doing. So the nation hadn't been doing well, and God gives them a strong warning. But I want us to note this morning that just after the prophet has said, break up the fellow ground, in verse 4 he says, circumcise yourselves to the Lord, cut off the foreskin of your hearts. So Jeremiah uses this metaphor of circumcision about the first step that God wants us to take when we break open fellow ground. Essentially, the preparation always starts in the heart. Circumcise yourself to the Lord and remove the foreskin of your heart. The preparation starts in the heart. If we go back to Hosea, if you kept your fingers there or bookmarked it, Hosea chapter 10, I want to read a bit of the broader context there as well. Very similar sentiment that Hosea expresses. So back in Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 to 14, Hosea writes and he says again, as we've read before, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fellow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Verse 13 says, you have plowed wickedness, you have reaped injustice, you have eaten the fruit of lies, because you have trusted in your power and in the multitude of your warriors. Therefore, the tumult of war will rise against your people and your fortresses will be destroyed. And the verse goes on just to explain to them how bad that would be, essentially. But essentially here, uh, Hosea uses this metaphor again of sowing and reaping. And he warns the people of his time that it's time to turn to God. But specifically that because they've trusted in their own power and in the multitude of their own warriors, that's what got them into difficulty. And so in both cases, the prophets start speaking to the hearts of people because God is saying to them and to us, it's time to prepare the fellow ground. It's time to break up. It's interesting that it doesn't say the fellow ground, by the way. The texts both say your fellow ground. It's ground that's accessible to you. It's the ground of your heart. It's a space where you have influence or perhaps where you can get to and connect with. And so this exhortation comes to us today to remove the obstacles in our hearts, to remove the obstacles in our lives that would prevent us from being fruitful and more fruitful for God in future. I have this picture in my head of a piece of unused ground where there's some rocks and trees that have grown there for many years. And God comes and he says, you need to prepare this ground for a harvest. And you have to dig out those rocks. And in the days of, that these were written, they would probably have to bring in a team of oxen and pull out those rocks and chop out the trees and pull out the roots. Things that have maybe been there always. Things that have taken deep root in people's lives, that have been part of us. In order to be fruitful, in order to produce a harvest, sometimes we need to break those things out so that God can have his way. It's time to prepare the fellow ground. So how do we prepare our hearts? How do we circumcise ourselves to the Lord? How do we stop trusting in our own strength? And I believe there's just four things we want to look at that are in the text that will help us that are in focus for us today and for us to consider. So how to prepare our hearts. Firstly, 
Jeremiah says it's time to set ourselves apart for the Lord. He uses that circumcision metaphor, which literally means it's time to cut things out of our lives. It's time to cut things off, which are hindering us and restricting us from following God. If you've never committed your life to Christ, you've never set your heart to serve Him and to follow Him, it's time to allow God into your heart. It's time to allow Him to break open your heart, to separate yourself from sin, that which entangles you so that you can turn to God. Perhaps if you've been believing and following Jesus for many, many years, the more familiar term would be pruning. It's the cutting off. It's time to set apart for the Lord. In both instances, whether you're a believer or not, it involves an opportunity of repentance, simply meaning to change our mind about how we've been thinking about things, to change our actions and how we've been doing things. To set ourselves apart for the Lord means to deal with sin. What is sin? What does it mean? It's to deal with those things which separate us from God and from others. Those patterns of thought, those behaviors, that way of speaking that separates us from God and from others. It's time to cut out sin. You see, if we can identify something in our lives as sinful, then there's an opportunity for redemption. If we think what we're doing is completely fine and okay and no one minds, then we can never be saved from that. Then we're a victim to it. We're a slave to it. But if we recognize that something in our lives is separating us from God, breaking relationships, destroying our lives and others' lives, then it's wonderful and there's this opportunity for, to change. When I can identify something as sin, God can come and save me. If I don't think I need saving, then there's no salvation for me. If I think I'm fine and all right. But if I can identify something in my life that it's time to cut off, something in my life that I need to be set apart from. In Hosea, he speaks about wickedness and injustice and believing the fruit of lies. It's time in our lives to cut those things off and to separate ourselves from those things. It's an illustration that's sometimes used that how does something become holy? How does something become set apart for the Lord? If you can imagine that I had two knives. We're in the market in Jerusalem in Jesus' day. Is that okay? And I'm a priest and I need a knife for the temple to make sacrifices. Let me not get too graphic. Okay. I would go to the knife maker and in his shop there would be two knives lying on the counter. I would look at them and see which one I think is best and because I'm a good Jewish priest I would negotiate price and then I would take the knife. And by taking that knife and saying this knife now becomes set apart. This is not an ordinary knife anymore. This knife is for God. This knife is used for God's purposes. So when God comes and he says, set yourself apart for the Lord, circumcise yourself to the Lord, it's take your life and set it apart. Your life is not intended for ordinary purposes. Your life is not intended to be lived like everybody else around you. Your life is intended to be lived for God in a very specific and a very directed way. So the first way we prepare our hearts is to set ourselves, apart, set ourselves apart for the Lord. The second thing I believe we need to do is we need to seek the Lord and sow righteousness. So where the separation part was perhaps more negative, it was a cutting off, the seeking the Lord is more positive. It's a turning towards God and to sow righteousness. The most practical thing we can do to seek God is to give Him time. 
if we want to intentionally pursue God, see what he's saying to us, involve him in what we're doing, hear from him as best we can and understand how he wants us to live and what he wants us to do at this time in our lives and at this time in our nation, it's going to just take time, time to pray, time to get into the scriptures and to read them, perhaps some time to fast. What if you could take 15 minutes a day, just 15 minutes a day, to seek God intentionally over the next season. Maybe just for this week, as I was preparing, I kind of thought, well, Easter's about 25 days away, if I counted correctly. What if we could take, as a believing community, as the believers here at Hatfield, 15 minutes a day and say, Lord, I'm seeking you. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray for my family. I'm going to hear, what are you saying, God? What do you want me to do? Is there anything you would want me to do? I want to seek you, Lord. And as we're seeking him, it also says we must sow righteousness. We must do that which is right. Perhaps when we're aware of an injustice, we should bring justice. When we're aware of something that is wrong, where love is not conquered, we should bring love. So we should sow righteousness, simply do that which is right. And perhaps I can challenge you to make another 15 minutes in your day and be kind to somebody, to be loving to somebody, to do that which is just. This could be in your family. This could be at your workplace. You know that one difficult person you work with? Everybody has one difficult person they work with, except us that here work at the church. We have no difficult people. Okay. We just perceive them as such. They're not that way. But what if you could take 15 minutes a day over the next while and just sow righteousness, do that which is right? Maybe it's this project you're busy with or this uh, presentation you're working on. Do it right. Do it well. Now, when God makes this promise to Israel, he says, sow righteousness. He's meaning that he'll, uh, you'll reap righteousness, you'll reap love. We'll pick up on that a little bit later. But we need to sow righteousness if we want a harvest. So we need to set ourselves apart for the Lord. We need to seek him and sow righteousness. We need to start doing that which is right. It's a 15-minute-a-day challenge. Do you think we can do that? As the Lord guides you, as the Lord guides you. There's two more things in these passages which I felt just to highlight. Jeremiah says in verse 3, break up the fallow ground. And then he says this very interesting phrase. He says, do not sow amongst the thorns. I believe as God is saying to us, it's time to prepare the fallow ground. He's also saying to us, do not sow amongst the thorns. Clearly in these passages, the thorns speak of sin and past bad habits. Things that have been allowed to grow that actually choke out God's harvest, that restrict fruitfulness. They steal from the soil, as it were. And so I believe God is saying, don't go back to past alliances. Don't go back to previous behavior patterns. Don't go back to sin. Don't sow your kindness. Don't sow your love. Don't sow your acts of righteousness in the past. Now, when Jeremiah and Isaiah spoke to the nations of Israel and Judah at the time they gave these words, God is very clearly saying to them, you've lived wickedly to those nations. Don't go and try and sow there. You actually have to start on new ground. You have to start afresh. And I believe that's a word for the Lord, for us today. Be wise where you sow. There should not be weeds in the wheat field. There should not be weeds in the wheat field. There should not be areas of our lives where things are growing that should not be growing. The things that grow should be fruit that is pleasing to God. 
And then lastly, fourthly, as we prepare our hearts to take, to prepare the fallow ground, I'm reminded of the words in Hosea 10, verse 13, where he says, do not trust in your own strength and abilities. Because the nation had trusted in their own strength and in the number of their warriors, the power of their army, it didn't work for them at all. They were still destroyed by a foreign invader. And for us, I believe this speaks of when we trust in our own strength and in our own abilities and in our own skills, it speaks of pride and self-sufficiency. If we want to prepare the ground, prepare the fellow ground that God has for us, we need to deal with pride and self-sufficiency. We need to take our abilities. We need to take our talents. We need to take the gifts that God has given us and yield them to him and say, Father, this is not mine, it's yours. It came from you. It's not of me. It's yours. And I rely on you to produce the fruit. I rely on you for the harvest to come in our lives. Do not trust your own strength and abilities. We need to yield to God. It's interesting if we just read a bit further on in the Hosea passage, it says that all your fortresses will be destroyed. If we continue to trust in our own strengths and our own abilities and our own might, that which we believe makes us safe, that which we think makes us secure, will be destroyed. Because you see, when God is after our hearts and he doesn't want us to be proud and he doesn't want us to rely on our own strengths and abilities, he will come after us relentlessly, if I may use that word. So set ourselves apart for the Lord. Seek him and sow righteousness. Don't sow amongst the thorns and don't trust in your own strength and abilities. It's time to trust him. It's time to believe what he said and to put our faith in him. In these scriptures, particularly in the Hosea scripture, there is a promise that I want us to remind us of. As we prepare the fellow ground, as we prepare the soil of our hearts for what God's going to do in us and through us, there's a promise in Hosea 10 and verse 12. It says, if you sow righteousness, righteousness sorry, you will reap steadfast love. You will reap steadfast love. If you separate yourself, if you seek the Lord and you sow righteousness, you do not sow amongst the thorns, do not trust in your own strength and abilities, you will reap steadfast love. It's the love of God that softens the soil of our hearts and the hearts of others. As we passed the offering back, Herbin said, trust for salvation. It's the love of God that will soften people's hearts. And when the storms come and when we're plowing this new ground and we're digging out the rocks and it's hard work, because new things take effort and dedication. It's the love of God that will sustain us. It's interesting that it says it's the steadfast love. It's the love of God that will not change. It doesn't matter what he feels like when he wakes up in the morning, but he doesn't wake up because he never sleeps. But his love is steadfast. It's always the same. It's the steadfast love of God that will sustain us during the storms. It's the love of God that will comfort us when the challenges come. And so if I've set my heart to seek him, I can believe that his love will sustain me because I will reap steadfast love. That's a comfort when I'm breaking up new ground and I'm dealing with the soil of my heart. But Isaiah goes on and he says, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. That he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Now I've split the sentence there on the notes that because I wanted to focus on the first phrase in that sentence. I know the purpose of the sentence is that he will rain righteousness on us. But let's not forget this part, that he will come. 
When Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. When I'm laboring in his vineyard, when I'm working in his field and I'm working on his harvest, I'm not alone. It's not about my strength and my crusade for God. It's that he is with me. That's what really counts. And so when we separate ourselves and we seek him, we must believe that he will come and that he will be right there with us. He said, you will never be alone. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So firstly, let's remember that he will come. And when he comes, the verse says, he will rain righteousness upon you. Now for the people of Israel and Judah, that meant salvation. It meant deliverance literally from their foreign captors. But for us, it can mean that chains get broken, sicknesses get healed, diseases are overcome, hurts get healed, relationships get restored. He will rain righteousness on us. Freedom can come, and the goodness of God can be experienced in our lives. And so there's an exhortation from God to break open the fallow ground. It's time to break open the fallow ground by preparing our hearts. But there's a promise that we'll know his steadfast love and that he will be with us and reign righteousness on us. Perhaps if the worship team can join me, because we want to seek God some more in the service. We want to worship him more. It's time, even as we're going to worship, perhaps to set yourself apart and to start seeking the Lord. It's time, as we worship now, to hold our hearts again, because we did it earlier, but to hold our hearts again before the Lord and say, Lord, it's time to prepare the fellow ground. I feel there's two specific kinds of application for this word for us this morning. Firstly, for us personally, internally, for our own hearts. I mentioned earlier that there's two kinds of fellow ground. There's the unused ground, ground that's never been used before. And if you've never given your life to Christ, this is an opportunity to open your heart to him, to allow him in, to produce a harvest in your life where there's perhaps been death and destruction and lots of thorns, there's an opportunity for salvation and we'll make an opportunity for prayer at the end of the service. But probably for most of us in the service, the unused ground of our hearts may be those areas of our hearts where we've never let the Lord into. Perhaps it's because of pain. You experience trauma and difficulty and there's just a place in your heart where you go, you've never allowed the Lord. It's unused. There's never been a harvest it's never been cultivated by God. Perhaps it's just pride where you go, I don't need God in this area of my life. I don't need God in this space. I've got it sorted. The word from the Lord today is it's time to prepare the fellow ground. For whatever reason in your heart, if there's a space in your life, because the heart speaks of our whole being, the heart speaks of our whole life, where it's unfruitful, we've never allowed God. I believe today is a time to prepare the fellow ground. Perhaps there's ground in your heart that's just been left to rest, intentionally so by the Lord. It's just been a time for restoration that the nutrients can get restored. Or there's ground in your heart where it once yielded a harvest, but because of time, circumstances, raising children does it, it's time to come back that there can be a harvest from that ground again. So the unused ground, the ground that left, is left for rest, I believe the Lord will speak to you as is needed as we seek him now in this time of worship. So that's internal for you personally. Is there never before used ground, spaces in your life that you've never let God into? 
Or is there unused ground where you need to reclaim and restore what God has done? Perhaps for some, it's the same word as it was given to the church in Ephesus thousands of years ago, where God said, it's time to return to your first love, to the place where you loved him with your whole heart. You took up your whole mind. He was always in the foremost of your thoughts. So that's internal. But externally, I believe also, and perhaps more in a prophetic sense, there's ground the Lord has for each of us outside of ourselves. Perhaps it's ground in your family that God wants you to take, to be as you sow righteousness, as you kind and as you love, this ground that you want to take. Perhaps it's never before used ground. If you're in business, perhaps there's, you know, you, you're running in this lane, but right next to you, there's a space where you could just tweak what you do by 20%, and there's this parallel or adjacent opportunity for a harvest, for fruitfulness. Perhaps you've been looking at this very rocky hillside like the people of Judah would have done when they wanted to farm, and it's, you look at it and you go, there's rocks and trees there, and it's hilly, and I need to build terraces, and it's going to be a lot of work. I believe the Lord is saying it's time to prepare the fallow ground. There's new opportunities perhaps awaiting for some. Maybe to be like Caleb, where there's a land of giants, where you know that space, God has started something in my heart. There's a passion. There's a, a holy discontent about what happens in that space or in that area. And God is saying, be like Caleb. There be giants, but I want the land. That's the place I'm going to go for as well. Perhaps you're aware of in your family or in your workplace or in your community, a place of ground that was fruitful, that has become not as used by God as it was in the past. Perhaps there's certain relationships that you need to consider restoring because those relationships brought kingdom fruit in your life and were a blessing to many. This is not about going back to the thorns. This is about kingdom relationships in this space. And so God is saying to us very clearly this morning, prepare the fellow ground because God's purpose is to extend his kingdom. He's not satisfied just with the harvest from this field. He wants to enlarge the field so that there can be a bigger kingdom harvest. Our vision statement here at Hatfield is that we want to see God's kingdom come in hearts. That's what we've spoken about today. We want to see God's kingdom in our homes. We want to see God's kingdom beyond, in our workplaces and in our communities. And God wants us to prepare the fellow ground. I did have a thought that the Lord also wants to do something in our city. We've been speaking about be ready for God's glory on display. One of the ways that God's glory gets put on display is us. We are God's glory on display. When we go into our families and our workspaces and to the difficult places in our communities, we bring the glory of God with us. We are God's glory on display. What could happen in our city if each of us took some time to sow righteousness, to seek the Lord? There's a scripture, as my memory serves, it was given in Hatfield many, many years ago for the city of Pretoria. It's in um, Jeremiah 33 and verse 9. I'm going to read it shortly, but imagine that this scripture was true for our city, that this scripture was true for our capital city. I know there's many capitals, but we live in this one, so this is the capital. Okay. What, imagine this scripture was true in our city. Jeremiah 33 verse 9. It says, then this city will bring me renown, God speaking, it will bring me renown and joy and praise and honor before all the nations on earth that hear of the good things I do for it. 
And then they will be in awe and tremble at the abundant prosperity and peace I provide for it. Isn't that a great scripture to claim for our city? It's a scripture that's been given, I believe, prophetically over our city as well. But we are his vessels. We are the ones who carry his glory. We are the ones who bring glo- put God's glory on display. But it starts within our hearts. We prepare the fellow ground. Next week, Pastor Louis is going to be sharing. I believe he's going to be talking more about opening new ground and opening new things. So it's definitely a service not to be missed. But right now, we're going to worship. I'm going to invite you to stand, and the worship team is going to lead us. And we're going to seek God, and we're going to set ourselves apart for Him and allow Him to speak to us about anything in our hearts that would prevent greater fruitfulness in our lives. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll worship, and we'll close the service a little bit later. Father, when you do new things, you start in our hearts. And so, Lord, as a community, as best we can and as much as we know how, and you know our individual circumstance and spaces, We want to present our hearts to you again. Lord, you said it's time to prepare the fallow ground. And so whichever way is necessary today in this space at this time, won't you speak to us about preparing the fallow ground of our hearts? I pray this in Jesus' name.